covers. They've got all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them, from seat covers to whole new seats. When I get that new seat, I think I'll put the old one in the living room, right next to the minivan seats, or as we call it, the sectional. eBay Motors, let's ride. From executive producers of Lost. Maybe we need the sign for the highway. They didn't miss the sign. <laughs> A new Epic's original series. It's important for you to understand what happens after dark. You're telling me I can't leave and that every night monsters come from the forest. You saw those things outside. Maybe I can come in. Get these people home, Sheriff. Do everything I can. From Premier Sunday, only on Epics. Get the channel or the app. The job search can be a frustrating journey filled with long, lonely hours on a computer and countless attempts to get noticed by employers. Zip Recruiter gets it. No one wants to feel alone in their job search. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They save you time by sending you jobs you can apply for with one click, and they pitch your profile to employers. So you stand out. Job seekers, feel the love. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com. Hello, this is Coley Trent from Jeffco Trent Funeral Home and Crematory. My dad Bill and I are pleased to be a part of the Opelika, Auburn, and Lee County area and thankful to the families that have placed their trust in us. At Jeffco Trent Funeral Home and Crematory, we continue to assure you when you call on us, you will be treated like a member of our own family with passionate and caring service. It's our desire to assist you during your difficult times and help you through your many decisions you face. Call on us in your time of need, Jeffco Trent Funeral Home and Crematory. My joints aren't what they used to be. Routine exercise, playing ball outside with the kids, riding bikes on vacation. I never worried about keeping up. But now, my joint pain has started slowing me down. I decided to make an appointment with the orthopedic clinic. Their surgical partners had the experience, technology, and personalized approach to care that I was looking for. Best of all, it was close to home. I'm thankful I chose the orthopedic clinic. Don't let joint pain slow you down. Visit theorthoclinic.com and schedule your appointment today. W294AR Auburn, WGCCHD3 Waverly, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated.
You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy opening day of SEC baseball. Not so happy of finishes for Auburn baseball, who loses to Oklahoma 3-0. Jacob Goins on the show with me here from 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good, man. Friday, finally here, man. It couldn't get here fast enough. It's been busy. It's been crazy with work, school, and just life in general. But, man, blessed to be here, happy to be here. We got a lot to talk about today. I am absolutely thrilled that today is the beginning of college baseball. Opening day, baby. Not a great finish for Auburn, of course, losing to Oklahoma 3-0 to in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown today, and Auburn shut out to start their season. We'll talk about that as well as Auburn basketball trying to snap a 13-game losing streak in Gainesville. Not a 13-game losing streak, of course. This 24-2 second-ranked Auburn basketball team looking to win for the first time in Gainesville, Florida over the last 13 tries we'll talk about our confidence level with Auburn going into Saturday as well as give you a scouting report on the Gators what they have looked like since the last time these two teams tangled up at the beginning of SEC play it's been a little over a month since the two teams have seen each other as well as we'll have on the line Q&A we're taking your calls all show long 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if I had a bell I'd ring it it's a free-for-all Friday so we're taking your calls all show long once again 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 a lot of news as well circulating around in the college football world the Athletic reported earlier today that the college football playoff will stay at four teams until the expiration of its contract in 2026, as well as we've got Saturday selections for college basketball. That's just a look at the show rundown for On the Line today. A lot of stuff going on, and if you want to call in about it, feel free. Make Trevor work. Give Trevor call. Give him a call and tell us anything that's on your mind going on in the sports world trevor wants to get your phone calls and we want to hear from you here on the line 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 of course also a programming note for our sister station 96.3 w lee the auburn high baseball season gets started at 4 30 p.m it's a 4 30 first pitch on the auburn high sports network as scott bagwell will have the call for the defending 7a state champions the auburn high High Tigers hosting Prattville today in Auburn. You'll be able to hear that once again. First pitch, 4.30 p.m. on 96.3 W. Lee. We're going to open up the show today talking some baseball. Going to break down what just wrapped up about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, as Auburn baseball drops to 0-1 on the year, losing to Oklahoma in a shutout 3-0. It was a pitcher's duel going into the seventh inning with both of these teams scoreless, and Oklahoma broke the deadlock with a two-run home run, ultimately extending their lead in the later innings in Auburn, failing to scratch one run across. And that's something that we we had concerns about for Auburn coming into this baseball season can Auburn hit the baseball can they get runners on base and then into scoring position and late into that game 
if anybody was able to listen to it or watch it or whatever Auburn had players on first and second late in that game and they grounded out into or they had a player on first and then they grounded out into a double play and just killed any momentum that they had the game was still tied at that point in the what was it seventh or eighth inning and then they hit into a double play and just couldn't get a run across the board and that's just something that we've had concerns about with Auburn University baseball coming into this season so of course the very first game is not be all tell all for the season but not being able to get a run across in game one not a great sign well there wasn't a whole lot of offense for Auburn period it wasn't one of those games where you saw 10 guys left on base Auburn left four guys stranded across the day on just three hits so Auburn didn't generate hardly anything at all today was not necessarily the case of timely hitting Auburn really only had guys in scoring position on two different occasions across the entire ball game just three hits once again four guys left stranded total Oklahoma a little bit more efficient from an offensive perspective four hits so they didn't generate a ton at the plate of course Auburn had a handful of walks they hit three batters today across three or four different pitchers who touched the mound for Auburn four different pitchers touched the mound for Auburn today And then you've got three runs there for Oklahoma, and obviously those coming in the seventh and eighth innings. The two-run home run was what broke the deadlock in the seventh, and then an insurance run for them in their last trip to the plate in the bottom of the eighth. Not a whole lot going for Auburn today. Only two players registered a hit. Blake Rambush in the leadoff spot. He was one for four today. And then Sonny Deshara. He showed exactly why he was going to be a beast. He had two monster doubles in the Texas Rangers ballpark today, going two for four. But once again, nothing doing for Auburn. Five strikeouts as a team. Not horrible, but not great either. Four guys left on base. One player caught stealing. That was Blake Rambush. He got picked off in one of the earlier innings. Auburn just didn't do a whole lot on the offensive end not a great start how cool would it be I know Auburn lost but how cool would it be to be playing in a tournament as a college baseball player in the Texas Rangers stadium that's got to be that's got to be a cool experience in itself going down there and playing in a major league baseball stadium playing against some some high caliber baseball teams that's got to be a cool experience within itself but when you go down to a big tournament like this you've got to pick up some wins especially early on to find out your rotation find out who's going to be your stars early on in this season so Auburn losing three to nothing you know it, it it hurts because it's opening day and it's an opening day loss but I mean simple simple fact of the matter is Auburn's got to figure out how to hit the baseball and if they can't I mean you, you can't win if you don't hit and Auburn has got to figure that out again it's very early obviously this is only game one but that was the main concern coming into this season and here we are Auburn only had three hits you said four guys left on base and no runs it's a new look Auburn baseball team and we knew this would be the case looking at how many guys were going to graduate off of last year's team so for folks out there wondering what the lineup looked like if you were at work today or if you were busy and you weren't able to catch an 11 a.m first pitch we'll go through what that lineup looked like today of course not a whole lot to show out of the box score in the form of favorable statistics we've pretty much already gone through where there was a positive number for this Auburn baseball team but here's the lineup leading off for Auburn today it was Blake Rambush Second in the order, it was Kaysen Howell. And then third, it was Ryan Dial, who was behind the plate. Howell started out in center field, and Rambush was out in right field. DeShera was at first, batting fourth. 
Fifth in the order was Brody Moore playing short. Auburn did turn a double play today, their first of the season. I believe they only had one, maybe two tops. Bryson Ware was out in left field. Cam Hill, DH for Auburn. And then at second, it was Foster. And at third, it was Garrett Farquhar. And as far as pitching went for Auburn today, the start went to Notre Dame graduate transfer Tommy Sheehan, who got the start earlier than many people expected, considering he was coming off of partial Tommy John surgery. He gets the start today, only goes one inning, but gave up just one hit, one walk, struck out a batter, one wild pitch. Nobody scored on Tommy Sheehan, faced five batters, but threw 33 total pitches. We knew he was going to come in with a pitch count that he was going to be limited in his action today, faced some stress out there early on, and Tommy Sheehan only throws 33 pitches to start. Then they go to Jordan Armstrong, who went for four innings for Auburn. He is a junior college transfer, had all the accolades as a junior college transfer, had a wonderful ERA. I mean, this guy was a beast at the JUCO level. Comes in, he gives you four solid innings. I got to see some of his stuff on social media today, compact release. You don't see the baseball until it's coming out of his hands. He's got a lively fastball, only gave up one hit today, two walks, five strikeouts, but he hit two batters, faced 16 uh, almost fanned them all, of course, 64 total pitches for Armstrong. And then Mullins got the loss for Auburn today. Hayden Mullins, that is. Gave up three runs on two hits, all three of those earned, two walks, uh, hit one batter as well, and then also gave up the home run. So Auburn's mm. pitching staff today, there's been questions. There's questions about this Auburn baseball team, and I think the two big questions about this Auburn baseball team coming into this year, on the defensive side, it's about the pitching staff. And are they going to have the starting rotation? Are they going to blow leads, right? And honestly, only giving up four hits, three runs, I'm not going to blame this on the pitching staff. Obviously, you didn't get what you wanted out of Hayden Mullins when he stepped out there, giving up the two-run shot and obviously breaking the deadlock, but you also can't go into the seventh inning with no run support. I was pleased with what I saw out of the pitching staff today, and you didn't have to go too deep into the bullpen. And then the other question that I've had about this Auburn baseball team is timely hitting, and we really didn't see any hitting at all today. And when the bullpen comes in and you give up three runs on just two hits, I mean, that that's not effective. That's not efficient and that you can't have that because the game was tied at that point. He gave up a two-run shot. And the game was over. I mean, you and I were listening to it. We were working in the office. We, we heard it. We said, all right, that's it. I mean, that's probably your ball game with such a late two-run bomb. And, I mean, that's it's tough to do coming out of the bullpen, doing what they, you know, to not give them runs and give up runs. But, and like you said, the, the offensive support wasn't there, of course. Auburn didn't score a single run all day. So, the bullpen has got to have a little bit of, of leniency when they come in it's nice for them to have a run or two for cushion when they come in and out of the bullpen but yeah I mean it's hard to win when you give up late late runs like that especially out of the bullpen so Auburn falls to 0-1 on the year losing to Oklahoma 3-0 in shutout fashion the loss goes to Hayden Mullins who falls to 0-1 on the year reliever for Oklahoma Sundloff got the win for the Sooners and the save went to Godman for the Sooners his first of the year obviously it's the first game of the season and so Auburn tomorrow the task will be against a nationally ranked number 12 
Texas Tech Red Raiders that first pitch tomorrow at 3 p.m. in Arlington, Texas. And then on Sunday, wrapping up the State Farm College Baseball Showdown, another Big 12 foe, the Kansas State Wildcats, a 10-30 first pitch on Sunday. We talked about what the opportunity was for Auburn in this baseball round-robin style tournament this event for Auburn baseball to start off the year we talked about the opportunity for them what would be a good weekend it was win two not to say that if they just go one and two this weekend that it was a bad weekend you don't want to go zero and three one and two is the bare minimum tomorrow you've got you've got a great baseball team on your hands the Red Raiders are no slouch obviously nationally ranked at number 12 Kansas State seems to be the winnable game on Sunday and that's a tough task I mean you're playing the number 12 team in the country the very the second game of the year when you're still trying to get into game game readiness but and I said it before going down to a tournament like this this is a chance for you to to show and find out who you are early on and you got to pick up a win or two Auburn can't go 0-3 I mean they might but going 0-3 to start the season is not good for mentality not good for rotations and Auburn's got to pick up a win whether it's tomorrow or against Kansas State one of those has got to be a win for Auburn baseball for them to be able to come back home and have a little bit of mojo to start the season folks don't want to hear me say this and maybe I am getting ahead of myself when I say this but if I were to ask you the question which is more likely for Auburn to go one and two now in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown or for Auburn to go zero and three based off of the fact that I imagine Auburn's pitching rotation that I imagine Auburn's bullpen's going to get some work tomorrow against 12th ranked Texas Tech they're going to be pretty depleted going into Sunday now Kansas State very well could be in the same boat Auburn's going to have to bring the bats on Sunday they're going to have to generate momentum off of virtually nothing today against Oklahoma Auburn's not in a great spot you wanted to set the tone against one of the beatable teams not saying that Texas Tech isn't beatable it is baseball after all but this was one of the more winnable games Oklahoma was below 500 last season they came in to this tournament in a similar place that Auburn was a lot of questions knowing that that program has much higher expectations similar to Auburn than what they did last year and what they achieved last year but you knew that this was a game that could set the tone for you to have a positive weekend, even if it did mean just one and two. It gave you more grace. It gave you more leeway for the be- for the rest of the weekend. Auburn now, they don't have as much of that leash. To answer your question, it's more likely that Auburn goes 0-3 this weekend than 1-2. and Don't break my heart, man. I, I, I'm Baseball just being season honest, just man. started. I know, and it's tough, and it's a tough <sighs> way to start. Hey, look at Auburn softball, man. They're 7-0. Just saying. But for Auburn baseball... And they're doing great. They won today against Wisconsin 9-3. to Exactly. Auburn softball, keep up with them too because they're a lot of fun to watch. But this baseball team, again, it's early. It's game one. You know, it's game one. But this is where you got to start figuring some things out because you're playing decent talent and tomorrow you're playing really good talent playing the number 12 team, Texas Tech. And Auburn, if they can't hit the ball, they're not going to beat anybody. And I know today was just one game, but if they play tomorrow and Sunday like they did today they're going to lose all three games taking a look at Auburn's baseball schedule after this weekend in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown they come back to the Plains with I believe nine straight home games I am correct in saying that they will host Troy in the midweek on Wednesday next week they'll then have the weekend series three games against Yale 
two midweek games against Alabama State and UAB, and then a four-game home series against Rhode Island the following weekend. There's room to go 9-0 across that stretch, follow up what possibly could be an 0-3 start to the season at 9-3, but it will be very important for Auburn to get a win out there in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. Also for NCAA Tournament, projections down the line it is the first weekend but it's always great to help out your rpi to help out your resume when the end of the season rolls around and auburn will be in a situation more than likely where they will have a sub 500 sec record you need some non-conference help to prove that you belong in the ncaa tournament right now places such as d1baseball.com do not have auburn as a part of their projected field at the start of the season but it is just opening day after all no need to get too far ahead of ourselves you mentioned Auburn softball they took down Wisconsin earlier today in Clearwater Florida according to Auburn's website of course they're going to go with the most positive poll there is Auburn softball ranked 25th coming into this weekend they took down a Wisconsin team that they dropped to five and four once again winning nine to three the winning pitcher is Shelby Lowe, who is already 5-0 and on the season. And Auburn softball is exciting, folks. If you haven't watched Auburn softball, you need to go and watch them. You need to keep up with them. 7-0 start is good. And Auburn, they're going to hit some tough games when it comes to conference play because SEC softball is just as stacked if not more stacked than when it comes to SEC football. I think Britt may have said that a couple weeks ago when we had him on the show. But SEC softball is so competitive if you're middle of the pack in the sec you're a top 20 team in the country that's how competitive and that's how good it is in the sec for softball so keep up with this auburn softball team they hit the ball really well they're doing really good right now off to a 7-0 start so keep up with them as well auburn softball today scored nine runs on 10 hits just looking at the box score today taking a look at auburn as far as offensive numbers are concerned Three runs scored by leadoff hitter Michaela Packer out of center field. She was two for four today. RBIs going to Packer, Peralta, Ellis. Two RBIs went to Blaine, the designated player. One RBI to Bryant. She hit a home run. And then McCondici had two RBIs as well. And then as far as Auburn in the circle throwing today, Shelby Lowe once again got out to 5-0. She had five innings pitched today, eight strikeouts, just two hits allowed, one earned run, two walks. And then Samantha Yarbrough came and shut things down with two innings pitched, two strikeouts, two runs allowed, and four hits. That's a look at what Auburn softball did today in taking down Wisconsin 9-3. to And then, Jacob, you just brought this to my attention. We'll get to it in just a moment. I want to wrap up something with softball here that just came to mind. If you want to know about Auburn softball, they've played some decent teams, but no great teams yet. They've beaten Wisconsin, Texas Tech, UMass Lowell, two wins against Seton Hall, and two wins against St. John's. We're going to find out. Tomorrow, they play Texas, 11th-ranked Longhorns. And then on Saturday, it'll be the third-ranked UCLA Bruins in the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. And elite is the right word to use. It's presented by Wilson. And then on Sunday, it's against USF. So that's the next three games for Auburn softball. But you brought something to my attention, so I'm going to let you take it away. Auburn football announces some staff updates. We have an offensive coordinator. There's been some staff promotions within the Auburn football program. Auburn football just tweeted it out about three minutes ago. Eric Keesaw 
is Auburn is Auburn, as expected is Auburn's new offensive coordinator as expected we have been saying that the past week or so but it is now official Eric Keesaw is the new offensive coordinator of course after Austin Davis left he has now been promoted from within Eric Keesaw is the new offensive coordinator for Auburn football two more promotions within the program Rock Bellantoni is the new special teams coordinator and the edge linebackers coach and Zach Etheridge is now the defensive secondary coach and the associate head coach. Those are the three promotions that were made within Auburn football, and they just tweeted it Go out back about to the four second individual. Ago. It is Rock Bellantoni. He is the special teams coordinator and the edge linebackers coach. I'm is he sure, internal? I'm not sure if he's internal or if he. I don't recognize that name. I will be really honest with you. Um, he was a defensive analyst. Okay, this so, past season, so, so he yeah. was on staff as an analyst and got promoted to special teams so we are talking about where they were going to have to fill some holes on the Auburn football coaching staff they have now done so at the end of the week and so I think now everything now that internal that's interesting everything is internal from that's within. interesting and we we figured that would probably be the case this late into the winter slash spring since spring ball is right around the corner a day is a, a month and a half away but the, that's the breaking news from Auburn football as of about five minutes ago we can discuss it on the other side of the break excellent first segment to the friday edition of on the line we've talked auburn baseball auburn softball as well as auburn football breaking news with their new staff promotions inside the auburn football program it's a free-for-all friday we're taking your calls also long about anything that you want to talk about you want to talk some auburn football what do you think about these new promotions what do you think about these new staff changes for the auburn football program as well as takes on auburn baseball auburn softball auburn basketball looking to win for the first time in 14 tries tomorrow will be the 14th try in Gainesville Florida all that and more coming up here on the Friday edition of on the line Friday edition of on the line Noah Gardner Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-327-502 free for all Friday here on the Friday edition of On the Line, we're taking your calls all show long about anything going on. Auburn baseball shut out by Oklahoma to open up the season and the State Farm College Baseball Showdown 3-0. to zero. Tigers only accumulating three total hits in today's ballgame. Oklahoma only four, but they obviously made their four hits count more than Auburn made their three, which were Sony Deshera and... Blake Rambush. Those were the only two guys who got hits for Auburn today. Deshera had two monster doubles, but that was it for the Tigers today. Auburn softball winners 9-3 to over Wisconsin in their action today in Clearwater, Florida, and then Auburn basketball in action tomorrow Gymnastics against Florida. Tonight. That's right. Who's gymnastics? Got? Gymnastics at Georgia and men's tennis at Mid-Tennis, Middle Tennessee. It's a busy day in Auburn athletics. Spring sports, my man. And then, of course, the breaking news that we're now going to discuss that we got right there at the end of the first segment. Auburn football announces staff promotions. That's the key word there. It's all internal. Offensive coordinator is as expected, Eric Keesaw, which means they've still got wide receivers hammered down. They've now got OC hammered down, which I would imagine still Brian Hartson's going to have a heavy hand in determining everything that goes on with the offense. I'd be interested to see if Keesaw is going to call plays or if Brian Hartson's going to be the one to call plays. 
but that would leave a vacancy still on the offensive side of the football at quarterbacks coach and then you go to the defensive side of the football Rock Bell and Tony who's got over 28 years of coaching experience as we mentioned back in the first segment he was a defensive analyst for Auburn this past season He's been all over the place. Locations such as Utah State, Washington State, Buffalo, Florida Atlantic, Villanova, Eastern Illinois, Drake, and then some locations at the high school level. Mainly bouncing around, whether it be defensive coordinator at the FCS level. He's been a special teams coordinator in the past at Utah State and Buffalo. He's coached on the defensive side of the football, whether it be linebackers or defensive line. And he has also done specifically defensive ends at certain spots. He's got a vast resume that includes a lot of different positions, wearing a lot of different hats, an analyst once again on Auburn staff this past year, someone that Brian Harson must be familiar with. He is now the edge outside linebackers coach slash special teams coordinator at Auburn. And I think it's, I mean, it's interesting because everything was from internal, was from within, and we kind of expected that when we've been kind of talking about over the past week or two what Auburn was going to do with the head or not the head coaching but the assistant coaching vacancies coaching vacancies there we go but everything being internal is interesting and that seems to be what the theme has been under Brian Harson for the most part and we figured that's kind of what it would be because of the timing and then everything that went down and we figured that which is how this was going to go it's the it's not necessarily the easy route but it's the the less hard route, I guess, because you don't have to go out and find somebody, whereas you can just promote somebody that's already in the system, knows how it runs. And I think that's the biggest one for Eric Keesaw, the offensive coordinator now, because he's been on staff. He knows what he's doing. He knows the offense. And obviously him and Brian Harson work well together for right now because he didn't leave, you know. So I like it. I think it's the best option for Auburn right now. I don't really know a whole lot about what he's going to be able to do as an offensive coordinator for Auburn, and I think that's something that we get to find out. Zach Etheridge, also one of those promotions. Of course, we already knew that he was going to be coaching the secondary. We already knew that instead of just cornerbacks like he was this past year because Derek Mason worked with the safeties, we knew that he was going to be working with the entire secondary this year but he now fulfills the role that Burt Watts left vacant of associate head coach. This is a massive bump for one of the bright young minds in college football that he is right there underneath Brian Harson, and it shows reward for loyalty to the program and for sticking around where his name had been linked previously to a rival and he he's a fan favorite everybody likes Zach Etheridge he's a he's a homeboy he's he is a guy who loves Auburn and is Auburn made and wants to be here he's going to be a fantastic coach somewhere one day but I'm glad he's at Auburn right now number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 it's a free-for-all Friday taking your calls on anything going on in the sports world when we come back it's on the line Q&A we'll take your calls and hear from you on any questions you've got for us. Stay tuned. Thirty-three minutes into the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We're taking your calls all show long. It is a free-for-all Friday. Auburn baseball shut out by Oklahoma in the season opener 3-0. Auburn softball winners today in Clearwater, Florida, 9-3 over Wisconsin. They are now 7-0. And then Auburn football with staff promotions. Eric Keesaw, as expected, the new offensive coordinator for the Tigers, Zach Etheridge, now an associate head coach, in addition to his secondary position coach responsibilities. And then the guy that most people have not heard of, Rock Bellantoni, who was a defensive analyst this past year. He's been around the block in 28 years of coaching. He's been out west. He's been east. He's been in the Midwest. He's coached everywhere, FCS, FBS. He is now coaching outside edge linebackers, as well as he is the special teams coordinator, fulfilling Burt Watts' responsibilities. And the special teams is something we have talked a lot about when talking. Once Burt Watts left, we talked about the special teams for Auburn and the places that it's been good and the spots that it's not been so good. Defensively, special teams has been pretty solid. Defensive special teams coverage on kickoffs and punts has been pretty solid. Auburn was has been able to limit people returning the football for many yards on kickoffs, punts, things of that nature. But then some improvements that can be made is Auburn punt and kick returning themselves, not really helping themselves out or helping the offense out, returning the football on kickoffs and punts. But I'm excited. I think that all of these promotions are going to be a good thing. I like them. There's none of them I'm like, really? Like, why do we do that? I like them all. And I think, obviously, Eric Keesaw was expected at this point. And then the other two, I'm just happy for them. It's now time for On the Line Q&A. We are going to ask each other questions. And if you want to call in as well, this is kind of our mailbag segment, taking your calls, any questions that you got in the sports world. It doesn't have to be Auburn-related. Of course it can be. We're always taking your calls on Auburn-related things. Anything on your mind, On the Line Q&A is what we're doing here in the 2.30 p.m. segment. My first question to you, Jacob, to get your thoughts what is your confidence level in Auburn basketball snapping a 13-game losing streak in Gainesville tomorrow? I would put it on an 8 out of 10. Uh, eight, uh, 10 being high, of course. I think Auburn plays well tomorrow. I think Auburn is obviously the much better team than Florida. Obviously, history is not on Auburn's side as Auburn is on a 13-game losing streak in Gainesville, but I think Auburn used the Vanderbilt game to kind of find their rhythm a little bit find their offense move the basketball move without the basketball Jabari Smith realized that he can shoot the basketball more than twice a game and I think Auburn just overpowers Florida I look for Auburn to really get it rolling especially in the second half tomorrow against Gainesville the game's at the game is at one o'clock central time and I look for Auburn by the second half, by 2 o'clock, I look for Auburn to be rolling on the offensive side of the floor. The defense is going to travel. There's no doubt that happens every game. Auburn's defense will carry them extremely far into the tournament. But I look for their offense to get going tomorrow against Florida to carry them into March for what should be an historic run. Like you said a few moments ago, Auburn's defense is going to travel. They're going to be able to take it with them anywhere they go. And even if Auburn hasn't truly broken through their shooting slump yet they obviously shot the ball very well astronomically high field goal and three-point percentages against Vanderbilt on Wednesday night 
even if they haven't truly broken through their shooting slump on the road because Florida isn't a bad defensive team. They're pretty good on that front. They've got some size, especially in the backcourt, and then, of course, we know they've got it in the front court with Colin Castleton. They've got the size and the length. They play good defense. The issue for Florida this year has been how poor of an offensive team they have been from top to bottom outside of Colin Castleton. And this team just right now isn't getting the guard play to be successful. I'm expecting Auburn's defense to travel. I'm expecting them to force turnovers. And even if Auburn hasn't broken through that shooting slump, I expect Auburn's defense to still carry them to a victory. Tomorrow is the type of game where even if Auburn doesn't play well, because of the matchups, I think Auburn's talent, this is one of those where Auburn maybe doesn't play well, but the talent wins out. It's one of those, we've got Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, you don't type of games. I would like to see Auburn play well tomorrow. My confidence level in Auburn winning in Gainesville is a nine. They've got this one circled. They want this one. Continuing on with the on-the-line Q&A, Noah, I want to ask you this. What is What was your impression of Auburn baseball season opener against Oklahoma today as they fell 3 nothing about an hour ago? Disappointment. And that may be a harsh word. It's the first game of a 60-plus game season. Disappointment. Auburn is not in any college baseball bracketologies, if you will. I know that's not the term for college baseball, but they aren't in any college baseball projected fields right now. They were picked to finish last in the SEC West, which would mean not making the SEC tournament. And they came out today, and they only mustered three hits against a team that was sub-500 last year. The question marks around Oklahoma's baseball team coming into this season was the pitching staff. The stuff that we were most confident in with this Auburn baseball team was their offense. If we were going to say that we were confident about something with this Auburn baseball team, we were going to say that it was the bats. Not necessarily timely hitting, but if you go back and look at last year's team, you're going to see a good team average you're going to see a team that had a lot of pop was able to hit a lot of home runs just unfortunately it was a lot of solo home runs timely hitting was the issue last year well today hitting period offense period was the issue for Auburn today positive to see the pitching staff do what they did and someone that came along for Auburn today that isn't a household name yet but potentially could become a household name. The Juco transfer, Jordan Armstrong for the Tigers, had a solid day of work throwing four innings where he only gave up one hit. He hit two batters, faced 16 total, had 64 total pitches across those four innings, only walked two guys, had five strikeouts, got into some hot water at times. That was self-induced, found ways to get out of those jams. He had the stuff today, and he's not firing above consistently a 90 mile per hour fastball but he's got a lot of jump on it he's got the secondary pitches to help get himself some strikeouts I was pleasantly surprised to see Auburn's depth of pitching today even though it was ultimately I don't think it was what doomed Auburn what doomed Auburn nobody's going to sit here and tell me it was the bullpen's fault today you got to get these guys some run support and obviously what happened with Hayden Mullins in the seventh inning wasn't what you wanted to see happen you didn't want to see the two-run shot go over the wall and once Oklahoma hit that home run what did I say to you it's over I said that's the ball game right and that's just because in baseball you can kind of get that vibe when someone's dead at the plate 
you're probably not going to be able to muster it in the late innings. And Auburn was unable to do anything threatening against Oklahoma today. So disappointment is my impression with Auburn baseball today because I think it was a little harsh to see Auburn pick to finish seventh in the SEC West. I understand why, but it's just so hard for me to expect Auburn to have back-to-back bad baseball seasons with Butch Thompson's leadership. Not saying that that's what's going to happen here. I trust Butch Thompson to get this program headed in the right direction, and this is going to definitely be a rebuilding year for Auburn. But a rebuilding year for Auburn could still put them in the postseason if they can get some things to go their way. And unfortunately, Auburn didn't have a whole lot go their way today. I like everything you said. I think Butch Thompson is still a fantastic baseball coach. I still think he is the guy for Auburn. But, and again, it's early. It's game one. But it was a tough loss, especially with Auburn just not hitting the ball hardly at all we had three hits on the day I know we've talked about that a lot but that's that's really what held this team back in this game and it's it's easy for us to look at this game and see how this could go all season long and if Auburn struggles like this offensively all season long not being able to hit the baseball put guys on base and put them in scoring position it's gonna be a long season for Auburn baseball so Again, it's only one game, but it's just like you just kind of like, man. It's opening day. I would have liked to have seen them score a run. Exactly. You hope that this is not the trend for the entire season for Auburn baseball. And I'm going to say this. Butch Thompson is an excellent ambassador for the Auburn baseball program and for the university. And it is an absolute – it would be an absolute failure if for some reason at the end of this season he was on the hot seat – because, and I don't think you should be put on the hot seat, because the resources just aren't put into Auburn baseball. You look at Auburn baseball's facilities compared to the other programs in the Southeastern Conference and the upgrades they have seen in recent years. There are numerous baseball parks in the SEC where they have outfield seating, where they have all these amenities. They have all these resources pumping into their baseball programs. That's why they recruit well. That's why they're getting these guys to come to their schools. And Auburn's doing a fine job in recruiting. I just think it's unfair to expect. We've got to make sure you've got realistic expectations coupled with the resources that have been going into the program. If you want Auburn to be an absolute monster in baseball, then you've got to back it up with the funds. And I just don't know if that's necessarily what is occurring right now with the Auburn baseball program. And so Auburn especially with the way the nature of baseball scholarships and the nature of baseball recruiting, Auburn is always going to face an uphill battle in this state compared to others, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So, folks, be happy that you've got a great head coach. We know he's a great head coach. Patience is going to be needed. This may very well be the second rebuilding year in a row for Auburn, but I do think they've got some guys in the program that are going to send this thing in the right direction. So that is my take on Auburn baseball season opener against Oklahoma, but it is just one game after all. And then last question to you, we'll take a stab at this one, each of us here, before we go to break. What's the most important game on Saturday in college basketball before we wrap up on the line Q&A? Man, I was looking at the question, and I'm looking at the schedule for tomorrow. Obviously, there's a lot of games being Saturday. It's not a sexy schedule. It's not a sexy schedule, and there's really not a game that is like, there's not a game on the schedule tomorrow that has major tournament implications on the fact of a team 
like has to have this game to make or break the tournament. I think Oklahoma's in that spot at Iowa State, and Iowa State's in a similar spot as they've been moved to the bubble in recent weeks you by can Joe Lenardi. I think that's the game, if you're yeah. talking about the bubble mm-hmm. and team seasons that are on the line, pun on intended, line. right? Oklahoma's 14 and 12 and Iowa State's on quite the slide as well they have had a less than optimal Big 12 run they're four and nine in conference play but 17 and nine overall both of these teams four nine in the Big 12 and the fact that they're included in Joe Lenardi's field is absolutely mind-boggling to me that you could be five games below 500 in your own conference Oklahoma only two games above 500 overall this is the game if you're looking at the bubble this is the one you got circled and you know my take on on a team not performing well in conference play trying to make the ncaa tournament i think it's horrendous if you can't even win in your own conference if you're going to go to the ncaa tournament that's my opinion but that's a good point i missed that game that's probably the only one with major implications on whether a team can make or break the tournament but there's multiple ranked matchups tomorrow that highlight the basketball schedule and there's two of them right off the rip right as soon as you get up turn the tv on put on espn Texas Tech in Texas, number 11 and number 20 at 1130 on ABC. That's a big-time game in the Big 12. A big one in the SEC at noon on CBS. Number 25, Alabama goes to Rupp Arena to take on Kentucky. I don't see Alabama winning that game, but it'll be interesting to see how Alabama competes and plays in that game because which team's going to show up? You truly just don't know. And then there was one more on here. Tennessee and Arkansas. That's a huge game within the SEC because if you look at SEC standings, those two teams are right there with each other. And that's a huge game, 3 o'clock on ESPN. Tennessee is at Arkansas. We know how well Arkansas plays at home this season so far. And we've seen how Tennessee has been playing in the last two weeks. They've been playing their best basketball. Huge game within the SEC. Both of these teams are going to make the tournament. But this may have SEC tournament seeding implications on the line in this game and that could be big because and regular season conference championship implications for tennessee to get a share they're only two games behind auburn fair enough fair enough and they play auburn still in knoxville i don't see there's a argument to be made on that i don't see that being the reason this game is big i think it's the sec tournament seating which has an implication of that but especially with alabama ascending whereas another loss for arkansas especially with that loss to alabama hurts them exactly and when it comes to sec tournament seeding this depends and this matters because who's got to play auburn who's got to play kentucky before the sec championship game those things matter in that kind of a tournament so i think those games that i just ran over are the biggest ones noah what's your pick the early slate is the best slate tomorrow talking about 11 and 12 o'clock tcu's at number seven baylor baylor with the major injuries of course to their basketball team in recent weeks that one's on espn2 tcu's trying to fight their way into the tournament tcu has been one of the under the radar teams they're your texas a&m at the big 12 if you will but they've fared much better in big 12 play than a&m has fared in sec play of course they didn't have the eight game losing skid tcu's at 16 and 7 and 5 and 6 that ought to have you in the ncaa tournament out of the big 12 right they're playing Hmm. a baylor team that's man down right they're 21 and 5 9 and 4 just lost to texas tech i'm not saying they're gonna lose because tcu's not 
playing great as of late either. They've lost three out of their last five. But I'm just saying, if you want to look at the Big 12 and how it can snatch you up at any moment, that's one on ESPN2. If you come in sleepwalking 11 a.m., if Baylor's not ready, TCU's looking for a win to cement themselves in the tournament. A top 10 win will definitely do that for you. At 11 a.m. on ESPN, Big Ten matchup. Number 12, Illinois, is at number 19, Michigan State. This is for more seed line purposes. Not that it would necessarily drop Illinois, but Michigan State trying to avoid falling a little bit. They haven't been great as late either when you're talking about teams that were inside the top 10 for large portions of this year. Michigan State's lost three out of their last five to teams such as Rutgers and Penn State. Lost by four to Penn State earlier this week. Lost to Rutgers back on February 5th by 21 points and lost to Wisconsin by eight. Of course, wins over Maryland and Indiana break all that up. Illinois just came off of an 11-point loss to Rutgers back earlier this week. These are Not two a bad teams. loss anymore. No, it's not a bad loss. Now, for Michigan State, the... Lost to Penn State, that's pretty bad, right? And both mm-hmm. of these teams are trying to generate some momentum. This one isn't going to determine any NCAA tournament hopes or anything like that, but it may affect seed lines at the end of the year. And as you put it, conference standings, that obviously bakes into where you're going to be at in the conference tournament seeding. And then, I can't believe you didn't say this. The Big East, man. Xavier, UConn, 24th-ranked Huskies, 11 a.m. Fox. Yeah, that's a good game. I figured, I figured I'd keep the Big East out of this one this time. I'm sure we'll make a pick on it later in the show i love the big east it's good stuff i think uconn is the better team in that matchup i think uconn wins that game probably by seven or eight points at least that's just an early prediction on my part 11 texas tech against 20 texas 11 30 a.m on abc and then as you already mentioned number 25 alabama against number four kentucky that's at 12 on cbs good luck flipping around those five games in the early stretch it is going to be a lot of great basketball early on tomorrow then after that you might be waiting till the Pac-12 in the evening. Yeah, Oregon and Arizona play at 9 o'clock on ESPN tomorrow night. Oregon, I mean, you never know in the Pac-12. You They're really a tournament don't. team, and Arizona has had some close calls in recent weeks or just period this season. Oregon's looking for a substantial win still this year. They don't have anything really to their name other than a solid record in the Pac-12 and just overall in general. I think they're at 18-8 and eight now, and they've gone on a surge in recent weeks. They're looking for something substantial to also submit themselves in the NCAA tournament. They're off the bubble, but not by much. And hey, A bad loss or two could throw them back out there. Very much so. And don't worry, Gonzaga has a, a, a team with a winning record this week. Santa Clara, Santa Clara. Well, coming they, to town. They have three games left, and they're all against some of the better teams in the WCC. Santa Clara, San Francisco, and St. Mary's. Boo. They're all 21 teams with the exception of Santa Clara, 17-9. They could lose. If Gonzaga's going to take a loss, it's over the next three games. I said if. That's a big if. Let's take a break here. We wrap up hour number one. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Free for all Friday, taking your calls on everything going on in the sports world. Auburn's pretty much away from home this weekend. Everything is out of town other than maybe Auburn soccer. I think they've got a game. Uh, is it just it's spring expedi- spring exhibitions? Ball. Yeah, just spring games this weekend. Yeah, it, it, spring ball's fun. It's it's. It's nothing official, just Auburn soccer getting back into the flow of things, playing spring ball. They're at home, but all the sports that are an official season, yeah, they're all on the road. Auburn baseball in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. Auburn softball is in clear water for their tournament. 
it's an elite showcase of softball teams. They've got Texas, who's ranked number 11, and UCLA, who's ranked number 3, coming up over the next two days. We're going to find out about this undefeated 7-0 and Auburn softball team and just how good they really are. And then, of course, Auburn basketball in Gainesville, Florida tomorrow. A lot of great stuff coming up. we got about two minutes left here in hour number one. Let's take a look at what happened in college basketball last night, Thursday night. My formula that I used to pick basketball games took an L last night. Now it's 5-2 and two on the year. It's doing pretty well. It took an L last night. Michigan beat Iowa 84-79. to That's the big result yesterday. Two losses. It's flawed. It's flawed. Rip. It ain't working. No, I'm just kidding. That's, uh, your formula has been pretty solid up to this point. It took a crazy Tennessee game against Kentucky where they blew him out and then I was 5 and 0 at one point or yeah, 4 and 0 at one point. Last night well, I would say last night was your first like loss. Like the formula was wrong last night, I think you could say. Because the Tennessee Kentucky game, I mean Tennessee just played extremely well and that was not something your formula really predicted, you know, but it's still doing really well. So 5 and 2 is still it's still pretty good for something you came up with, but how about our uh, how about our best friends Murray State? They're on a roll, man. Twenty five and two. They picked up a ninety one like five points again. No, ninety one to fifty six against oh. Austin PA. So the exact opposite of just winning by a couple of points. They won. They put ninety one points on them, and, and I know it's Austin PA. That's like making fun of Gonzaga, but you it's know. pronounced Austin P. I like PA. <laughs> WCC matchup last night that nobody paid attention to but is somewhat important for the tournament picture San Francisco fell by five to St. Mary's 69 to 64 those are two 20 plus win teams just keeping people educated on Hmm. the basketball world Michigan beat Iowa on the road last night Iowa still does not have a quad one win Pac-12, Arizona won by 14 over Oregon State. UCLA got back to winning ways, thumped Washington State by 20, 76 to 56. USC beat Washington by 10. Those are big wins for those Pac-12 schools that hadn't been playing great as of late. We'll be back with hour number two at 3 p.m. You're listening to On the Line. Zero two. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you. Jacob, it's been a good show so far, my man. It's been a fantastic show. Covered a bunch of Auburn sports. It's a busy time for Auburn athletics. The winter sports still wrapping up. Spring sports just getting started. Everybody's on the road, but a lot of Auburn sports to keep up with. Of course, the breaking news from Auburn football. We've had a lot to talk about. Still got more to talk about. Should be a good hour number two. And it's a free-for-all Friday. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502 if you got anything you want to call in about. Following us in an hour, we'll have The Drive with Bill Cameron from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as programming note, the start of the Auburn High baseball season on 96.3 WLE. Scott Bagwell will have the call at 4.30 on the Auburn High Sports Network, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic. Once again, 96.3 WLE for First pitch time as Auburn High, the defending 7A state champions, takes on Prattville. And then tomorrow, just live events that we've got going on at 2.30. North Carolina takes on Virginia Tech here on ESPN 106.7, as well as we will have after the game on ESPN 106.7 following the Auburn-Florida game, taking your calls, also breaking down the game, all that coming up here on ESPN 106.7 as part of the live event programming on our station. We're going to start off hour number two with Making Headlines. Making headlines. And the top headline, this one's being added to the rundown mentally as I speak. Auburn football 
announce some staff promotions. So some staff promotions, of course, none of them were official hires because all three guys were on the already on the coaching staff. And the big one that we have already suspected and officially happened today, Eric Keesaw promoted to Auburn's offensive coordinator. Noah, that was one that we have been talking about and we expected to happen, but it officially happened today. Eric Keesaw promoted from within to become Auburn's new offensive coordinator. This is as expected. We knew this was the direction that Auburn was more than likely going to have to take. Now, there is still a vacancy on the offensive side of things with the quarterback coach position. That's the one vacancy still that Auburn needs to fill. Of course, they made a couple of other staff promotions that I'll get to in a second, but the big thing to talk about, I think, is the offensive coordinator spot. You expected the internal promotion because who are you going to get at this point in the year? And, of course, that is a cliche in itself. Who are you going to get? People ask that question all the time. The only reason why I think that is a valid excuse here at this moment is you look at all the turmoil that the football program went through over the last two weeks, over the last two and a half weeks. You look at all the turmoil that the program went through. You're going to have a hard time going out and getting someone, even with the resume that Eric Keesaw has, who has been an offensive coordinator in the past, you're going to have a hard time going out and getting somebody with a good resume that's established where things are going well for him right now. Because why would you leave and not know if you're going to have job security beyond this football season? So you are pretty much going to only be able to get Austin Davis types that don't have a whole lot of experience. That already sets you back a month So Auburn, just to make sure that they have some security at the offensive coordinator position, some continuity moving forward, you go with somebody who has been an offensive coordinator before, you keep him at his current position coach responsibilities of of dealing with the wide receivers, and you go out and you find a youngster who wants to go and take a chance, take a risk with Auburn, and develop some quarterbacks. I imagine Brian Harson still is going to have a heavy hand in developing QBs. Eric Keesaw is still going to be with the wide receivers, I'm sure. You just got to go out and get a quarterback's coach. That's the last position to fill on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Rock Bell and Tony announced as the edge linebackers and special teams coordinator. He was a defensive analyst for Auburn this past year. And then Zach Etheridge, of course, he was already promoted to dealing with the entire secondary after Derek Mason left. He was a part of that Saturday, I think, when Auburn was playing Kentucky, where all of those coaches got their defensive responsibilities announced. But he also was labeled as associate head coach, which is part of the vacancy that Burt Watts left. Well, first of all, with Zach Etheridge, He's a guy that everybody loves. All the players and coaches love him on the staff. All the you know, every, all the fans love Zach Etheridge. I think everybody is excited to see Zach Etheridge get this promotion. And now he's the associate head coach. I mean, he's got a lot of say on what goes on in this football team now. And it's exciting for a guy. It's that's, trust. It's it's a lot of trust. A lot of trust. A lot for of a responsibility. Young bright mind. Young bright mind. A guy that is going to be very successful in this business. I'm glad that he's at Auburn. But I don't expect him to be here forever. He's too good. He's too smart. And he's just got a lot of potential. But it's exciting to see what he is going to do with Auburn. And then the one that may kind of have people turning their heads, not in a negative way, but... No, it's not a sexy move. Let's just be real. You don't have to say it's a great hire if you don't <laughs> think it is. And I, I don't think it's a bad hire. I'm just Let's just be real. It's not, it's not what Burt Watts was at the position. And Rock... Bellantoni is the guy's name. He was a defensive analyst within the program, and he has been promoted to special teams coordinator and edge linebackers coach. I don't love this one. 
I don't either, but I don't really know what to expect from it. So, And I didn't say that I hated it. I just don't love it. It's right. just like, all right, it's they just, did that. Exactly. You're my, I don't really have an opinion on it, if I'm being really honest. It's just, okay, he... Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's got okay. 28 years of coaching experience from places unknown in college football. He's been at places like Drake and Villanova and Eastern Illinois and Florida Atlantic. And most recently, his best stops have been Washington State and Utah State, right? And so take that for what you will. His but highlight position in his coaching career was when he was co-DC at Washington State. But he's taking over. He's taking over a position with Auburn special teams coordinator, a position that he has held before. Has held before, and while it seems minimal, it's still extremely important for a football team, especially for Auburn, who has had struggles with special teams in the past, offensively and defensively special teams. So, I don't know what to expect from him. I really, really don't. But he's got an important position, and it's going to be evident of what he can do very early on. I just don't know what to expect from from a recruiting standpoint. Someone that's been coaching for 28 years, I would imagine that you have the ability to coach technique. And in large part, he has ascended through the ranks across the 28 years. He hasn't really gone in reverse. I think the only place where you could say maybe he went in reverse was from Washington State to Utah State, right? That And that was recently. That was from 2019 to 2020. But he's a journeyman. He's one of those coaches that I told you about earlier this week where I was like, you might be able to get an older coach to take one of these positions from the outside. This one obviously came from within, but you might be able to get someone from the outside that's had 29 different coaching stops, right? Has had 29 different coaching jobs like Greg Brown did when he was here as secondary coach for Auburn back under Gus Malzahn said you might be able to get somebody like that who's just used to bouncing around is just still staying in the game as a coach and has a good track record and maybe this fits but once again this just the reason why it doesn't jump off the page for me is for a couple of reasons I was hoping to go and get someone that and this is not me saying that older coaches are bad or anything like that but I was hoping to go and get a Nick Eason or Burt Watts type that's super young has a lot of energy is going to resonate well and connect with guys on the recruiting trail and that's not to say that Bell and Tony won't man what a name Rock Bell and Tony that guy sounds like he is hyped up on Mountain Dew all day long right that guy sounds like he is a lively coach we just don't know a ton about him and so if he ends up fitting those things if he ends up being a lively coach does a great job of coaching tech if he's a player's coach the guys love him and he can recruit the position well he's doing everything that I want at this position the thing is he's been coaching for 28 years we don't know a whole lot about him I would have liked to have seen someone like a Nick Eason come through the door or a Burt Watts come through the door but this may still end up working out I'm not going to doom it and say this isn't going to work it just doesn't jump off the page it's one of those where you saw it and you're like I have no idea who you are and that's exactly what I said. And not, I mean, I'm pretty. He I mean, doesn't I'm even informed, have a Wikipedia but, page. Yeah, that's that. That tells you something. Tells you he something. doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. And, it, and he it, was at a Power Five program. Uh, yeah. And is it a negative sign that he has coached so many places for little amounts of time? I don't on, think so. On these places, I was going to ask you that. I don't think so. And you look at his track record. He had different positions at some of his stops, so it wasn't just like. He was at Villanova for one year. He might have had three different positions at Villanova, and all of them kind of added more responsibility. So I like, I think a bonus here is that he does have 28 years of coaching experience. Like that has to be a good thing, right? Someone's got experience. I don't think that that's a negative. But once again, the counterpoint to that was what I was just talking about. I was kind of hoping to see someone that I, and once again, 
He may have a lot of vivacity. He may a lot of ha- he may have a lot of youth. I don't want to say that someone's older doesn't have that type of personality. You can still 100% have that type of personality. I'm just hoping that he can connect on the recruiting trail and coach the position. And if he can, he's going to work out. That was what I was looking for. It doesn't have to be young or old. I'm just saying it's just not sexy. It just doesn't jump off the page. You ask yourself, who? When you say Rock Bellantoni, we had to go and research that he was an analyst, right? Sorry, I don't keep up with all of the bajillion analysts that Auburn has, but I was like, who is this guy? Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed has called in. Ed, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, guys. Hey, I, I appreciate y'all uh, keeping me informed. I just got uh, back in the car just a little bit ago. Uh, you know, like you, you just said, and y'all are younger than me, of course, and but uh, I, I do not see how – the move that Harson is that is are, are being made. I, I I do not understand how he thinks, how he can fool himself into thinking that he is going to be able to recruit, and that you know I I, I just I, I'm I'm at a loss. Uh, you've got to have some kind of connection with you know with kids with the coaches and stuff, and it seems like he's pulling. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just – I'm at a loss. But uh, War Eagle, I, I, I'm uh, all in on the girls. Uh, baseball, of course, that wasn't too good yesterday. But um, the girls, you know, uh, gymnast, and uh, I, I think Johnny Harris is doing a great job getting us – you know, we're going to have a rough year. But, you know, she's setting a foundation. And the Auburn's getting close in a lot of these games. And I, I, you know, I just, I, as far as football, I, I'm just, I, 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 don't, I don't know. You guys cheer me up. Tell me something real happy that that's just going to make me just, just kind of get tickled about Auburn football. Because if you just, I, I'm t- kidding, but I'm not kidding. You know, it's kind sure. of depressing. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. War Eagle. Appreciate it, Ed. War Eagle to you as well. 334-321-1390. Jacob, we have asked ourselves this question, and we have asked our callers this question. If people are optimistic, what is your reasoning for your optimism? 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. That is a question out there to the public. It's a free-for-all Friday. We'll take your questions on anything. Look, Ed is not wrong about the recruiting element to all this and that's the big thing that I'm asking about Bell and Tony is is he going to be able to recruit one of the most significant positions in college football it's not just that defensive line is significant we know what Auburn has been sorely lacking over the last couple of years on the defensive side of the football and that is a wrecker at pass rusher can you recruit that will Bell and Tony be able to recruit that and you look at the track record and we've had this criticism of Auburn football there's just not a whole lot of connections from some of these coaches into this area of the country and Bellantoni doesn't necessarily fit that based off of his track record but once again I don't want to sit here and say a ton of things about a guy that I don't know a whole lot about just being completely transparent I had to research who this guy was didn't realize that he was an assistant or an analyst excuse me on Auburn staff this past year he could end up working out I'm just saying this is a coach where you go who and unfortunately the crappy answer to that question of can he recruit is we're gonna have to find out we're gonna have to find out because we don't know we have no idea and i hate that that's the answer we have to give but one thing but, is for sure he has never had to recruit on this level yeah for sure this is definitely the biggest position and the biggest school that he's had and 
I mean, we're going to find out real quick whether he can recruit or whether he can relate to players. I imagine and, Jimmy Brumbaugh is going to have more of a responsibility. He's the new defensive line coach. I imagine yes. he is going to have more of a responsibility at recruiting than Bell and Tony will. I would That's agree. just my guess. I would agree. And and I'm with you. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and talk about a guy that I literally have no idea anything about because I, I mean, I'll just be honest. We hadn't heard of him. He was an analyst. They don't really get a whole lot of spotlight when it comes to media coverage or whatever. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about a guy that I don't know anything about. But all we can do is wait for him and see how the defense recruits and gets recruited over the next year or two. But they're going to have to do something to do it fast because obviously when you listen to a caller like Ed, they're kind of people are looking for something to give them a little bit of hope with this Auburn football team. So Noah, what is that little bit of hope for Auburn fans now that this has all been settled out? Of course, the quarterback's coach still has to be filled, but now that we're getting down and getting into spring ball, what is your what's your light at the end of the tunnel for Auburn? Two things, and they make up one point. Two things that I'm going to couple together here. I do think there is still talent. I'm optimistic on the roster as far as veterans are concerned. Of course, we can talk about the issues that the offensive line has had this year, and it's pretty much going to be the exact same offensive line. And you lost a lot of receivers. You lost two of your top three pass catchers at wide receiver, but the tight end room is still going to help you out in that category. I don't think Auburn got that much worse at wide receiver just because they lost a couple of guys. It wasn't that great this year to begin with. And so the point that I want to go back to, and I know I haven't said something positive yet, so just bear with me. I'm trying to get some negatives out the way to tell you why I don't think those are as big of a deal before I get to the positive. If Auburn can get consistent quarterback play from start to finish this year, avoid injuries at the position, and just get consistent you know, 65% completion percentage type performances, if they can get that, even 64%, 63%, which isn't great, right? If you can just get to somewhere around there and get consistent quarterback play, we saw what Auburn could do with that this past year when Bo Nix was healthy. They were 6-2. and two. They beat a team that ultimately won 10 games. The schedule shapes up nicely with five home games to start. It really comes down to what you and I talked about. Can you win against Penn State, LSU, and A&M at home. Can you take two out of those three and then maybe split with Mississippi State and Ole Miss on the road? And if you do that, you're going to be an eight-win, nine-win team next year. And so I like the talent that's returning. What really scares me is 2023 and 2024 where you've lost so many underclassmen. That's not a this-year problem. The 20 players that transferred is not a this-year problem. It's a 2023 and 2024 problem. So... That's something they're going to have to correct in recruiting right now. And honestly, I don't know if they're going to be able to correct that by the time that 2023 rolls around. I think they can fix it by the time 2024 rolls around. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix that by 2023. The transfer portal is going to have to play a big part in that. And obviously Auburn has failed largely in that realm of the offensive side of the ball for whatever reason that may be, whether it may be self-inflicted, whether it is that they actually don't want some of these players that have been out there. Maybe they're super selective. I don't know, but they failed on the offensive side in that realm, and they've done very well on defense. But going back to what I said, the roster issues right now I don't feel like are a starter issue right now. I don't think it's a top-end issue. I think it's more of a depth issue and a down-the-line problem because you lost a lot of underclassmen. And I'm not as concerned about wide receivers. Granted, I would like to see them go and get someone in the portal but if you can get a quarterback that can just deliver accurate passes, 
this scheme is going to get wide receivers open. Eric Keesaw developed a really bad wide receiver room this past year and at least got them to a competent level by the end of the season. We saw that. It wasn't great, but it was at least competent. And you've got the tight ends in the room, and I think Landon King could maybe even move to slot wide receiver if you wanted. You've got the tight ends in the room to where I think this scheme is going to get receivers open. It's a good passing scheme. You've just got to get the quarterback in there that could deliver the football. And whether or not they have that, we're not going to know. So even in all of this optimism that I'm trying to sprinkle out, it's more a faith that things are going to work out at quarterback. And if things do work out at quarterback, like I just said, I think the schedule shapes up in a positive way to where if you can take two out of three against a&M, Penn State, and LSU, which is doable. If you can take two out of three in those games, you're looking at an eight or a nine win regular season. And then depending if you added the bowl win, that would be nine or ten wins overall. Now, whether or not you're going to do that in 2023 when you lost all these guys, eh, that's a different story. But still, just talking about this year, I like the talent on the roster. I still think there's a, enough there to win with this season. You brought back a lot of key players. There's enough to win with this year. Down the line, that's a different story, but this year there is enough to win with. So basically, your optimism for Auburn fans going into the 2022 season, a favorable schedule, and the current talent on the roster, that is your optimism yes. for Auburn as of right now. I like it. It's and a I lot agree. of the same players from last year that got them to 6-2. and two. I agree, and I think, I think those are both good points, but then everything else you said, it's just – and it's not on you. This is just how it is. It's the it's, reality. There's it's, no way to predict it. There's no way to predict it. There's so many different ways that it could go. Does Auburn find that quarterback in the quarterback room? Does Auburn pick up those wins that we, you and I have said need to get? Can Auburn make up in recruiting? Can Auburn get guys out of the transfer portal? Can Auburn win football games on the football field? There's so many different things, and it could go so many different directions that and it's not just about this year and how about this question you were talking about 2023 and 2024 problems is brian harson even going to be here in 2023 or 2024 i mean that's a legitimate question and in some ways a coaching change if this year is not optimal because if he's not here in 2023 if he if he's done after two years that means you had a bad 2022 season and I'm not a fan of drawing conclusions about a coach really after two years, but you at least have some information on a guy by that point. And if Auburn does make that move, it's not it's not an indication of Brian Harson as a coach as much as the alignment and the faith just isn't there and it makes the job nearly impossible to where we were talking about irreversible damage at the end of last week to where you might just have to make a move to hit reset right and then get behind the next guy and yes that is again we're used to that as Auburn folks but the reality is if you hit reset again that might put you in a better spot for 2023 because you might be able to get some guys in the transfer portal and I don't think that you're going to lose a ton of guys because a lot of those players are graduating a lot of guys that are super ingrained and maybe don't want to make another move I just resetting at the end of 2022 if it doesn't go well and once again, that's a big if, if it doesn't go well. I believe 2022 is going to go well. That's just me having faith and optimism in the program that I think they're going to bounce back this year, have a good year. So I think he is going to be the head coach in 2023. But to your point, asking if he is and if he's indeed not there in 2023, well, that may end up being a positive thing for the program. If, if that's the case, then I think they needed to hit reset. Once again, hard to predict, hard to predict. 
24 minutes in hour number two of the Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Free for all Friday, number to call 334-321-1390. We're going to keep going with making headlines here because we have not gotten to this one yet. We've talked a lot of baseball. I'll just mention, if you didn't know this yet, if you've came out from underneath your rock or you're just now going through school, what are you trying to show me? It's Auburn softball. They they played Texas in their second game today. They're currently up four to nothing on Texas Whoa. Auburn softball after beating Wisconsin this morning. Currently on top of Texas, a ranked what are they top twelve? Top, top eleven. Top They're 11. number eleven. So the Texas number eleven team in the country, Auburn, I believe number twenty five, right? Auburn's already up four nothing on Texas early in the second game of the day. Auburn's undefeated. That's a big time if they can hold on. That's a big time win for Auburn softball. That'd be huge. To, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, that's a great. That's, that's live. That's live Auburn sports, man. That's right. And then Auburn baseball today lost their season opener to Oklahoma three to zero in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. So if you're just now getting out and about, you're just now getting out from work or or you know out of the house and whatnot, and you're wondering what's going on. You weren't able to catch these games, whether it be on the radio or or being able to watch it on flu sports or or whatever you know if, if you were able to catch all these games it has not been a good day for Auburn baseball but Auburn softball has done their work be Wisconsin nine to three and then of course right now as you just mentioned up four to zero on Texas who's ranked number 11 and then also talking about uh, Auburn football they made some promotions and we just wrapped up talking about Eric Keesaw being named OC Rock Bell and Tony Edge linebackers, a special teams coordinator, and then Zach Etheridge, in addition to being secondary coach, he is also now the associate head coach. We're going to move to Auburn basketball now, a group that we haven't talked about a whole lot. We talked about our confidence level going into tomorrow's game in Gainesville, a place that Auburn hasn't won over their last 13 tries. Auburn basketball looks to snap that 13-game losing streak tomorrow. What's your scouting report on the Gators? Reason for optimism. Well, in the first hour, you asked me what my confidence level was for Auburn to pick up a win in Gainesville tomorrow for the first time at 13 tries I said an eight out of ten I really think Auburn it's just the better team I think Auburn will handle business I look for Auburn to really have a big offensive game I look because of course they got on a roll against Vanderbilt late and I look for them to carry that on against Florida really get hot move the basketball everybody to start shooting the ball better because let's be honest the last three weeks of the of this season Auburn basketball has not shot the ball well. Nobody has on this basketball team. But Vanderbilt against or against Vanderbilt, Auburn started to look a little bit better. And so I look for Auburn to bust out offensively against Florida tomorrow, one o'clock on ESPN. But if you look at Florida, they score 70 points a game. That's eleven points less than what Auburn scores per game. And they don't shoot the ball particularly well. And no, free, it's bad. I mean, they shoot forty-two percent. They shoot forty-two percent from 267th the field. Two in the country. Yeah, they shoot the their free throw percentage is seventy-three percent. They shoot thirty percent from three, so they just can't really shoot the basketball all that well. Their defense, as you mentioned before, it's not it's, bad. It's not bad, but I think Auburn is just going to get it rolling. They average thirteen turnovers a game. Florida does, and Auburn likes to turn people over, get out and run a little bit with the guards. I look for Auburn to have a big day. I for really a do. team that has Colin Castleton, I'm blown away that they are 349th out of 358th in the country in two-point attempts. Yeah, that's wild. They are 78th in the country in two-point percentage. So what they're good at is scoring down low, yet they don't try to score down low. They are 327th in the country in three-point percentage. Sheesh. Yet they are 37th in three-point attempts. 
So they literally wow. shoot themselves in the foot on a repeated basis because they insist, like Alabama, on shooting the basketball where they can't shoot it well as opposed to shooting the ball where they do shoot it well, which is inside the arc. You got Colin Castleton. Give it to him down low. Outside of that, there are a lot of guys shooting below 40% on this Florida team, only a handful above 50%, and they're all bigs. And to go back on the defensive point, they block five and a half shots per game, which is good for 12th in the country. So Auburn's guards are going to have maybe a little bit of trouble when it comes to driving into the paint and trying to finish, but I don't see Florida really competing with Auburn. Because they can't score. They can't score, and I just don't think they're going to be able to slow them down for 40 minutes. They may play pretty solid defense for the first 10 minutes, maybe even the first half, but I I just have a weird feeling, okay? I have a weird feeling that Auburn, this is the game that Auburn where it's like, wow, this is what this team can do offensively, which is crazy because they put up 91 points against Vanderbilt, and you know me, I still wasn't impressed because I think Auburn can play better than that. Not that Auburn is going to put up more points, but man, maybe not just work as hard, you know, use better offense, move the ball, move without the basketball. Make You're just upset with the turnovers. That too. They shot the Don't ball. They the shot ball the over. lights out. Don't turn the ball over. They had 20 assists. You're just mad about Alan Flanagan's six turnovers. That I am extremely mad about, but we won't get into that right now. I'm confident that Auburn picks up a big win at Florida tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Florida on a two-game losing streak. Lost to Kentucky and Texas A&M last two times out. 16-10 overall, 6-7 and to the SEC. Their NCAA tournament hopes are on the line. So they're going to play hard, but I expect Auburn. I got a 9 out of 10 confidence level Auburn wins tomorrow. More on the line on the other side of this break. Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today. 30 minutes left in the show of the Friday edition of On the Line. We've covered a lot of Auburn sports today. Give us a call about whatever's going on in your mind in the sports world. Auburn football, basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, tennis, anything that's going on in the sports world. Give us a call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888 888- 382-7502. We want to hear your opinions about whatever's going on in the sports world, Noah. It's time for Saturday selections as we're going to go through the Saturday slate for college basketball. All right, Saturday selections here on the show. This may end up being a really dumb idea, but I can't believe I haven't thought about this before now. We're going to have a guest picker on the show. I don't know if people can hear that well. It's my R4 unit that I got at Disney World. So I've got a droid on the show with me now, okay? Like little R2-D2 here in the studio. My own little working robot. He's going to pick games with us. If this ends up being terrible, we'll scrap it, right? We'll throw him to the junkyard. Uh, you know, there's all, you know, you got to try it. First time for everything. <laughs> All right, first game. Let's go with it. First game is number 12, Illinois, and number 19, Michigan State, 11 a.m. ESPN. Man, that's a tough game. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's a tough game right out of the gate. Um, my gut would tell me Illinois just from looking at it, like right there off the rip, I would say Illinois. But, man, I don't know, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm a child. Okay? Yeah, you are. You are a child. I'm gonna take Illinois. Michigan State coming off a bad loss against Penn State. I know they're at home. 
Illinois coming off a tough loss against a hot Rutgers team, but I like Illinois in this game. I think they're the better team. I'll take Illinois on the road. My R4 unit says that Kofi Coburn's one of the best players in college basketball. Do it. Pick Illinois. Fighting Illini also did my math formula on this. See, I've got multiple ways that I pick games and whatnot. Illinois is a better basketball team here. Michigan State's really been struggling as of late. Lost three out of their last five games. I like the Fighting Illini. They just got way too many playmakers, and they're playing their best basketball right now. Give me the 12th ranked team in orange. Xavier at number 24, UConn, 11 a.m. on Fox. I hinted at this one earlier, but I'll get my pick again. UConn. Being ranked, they're just the better team than Xavier. They're at home. I like the Huskies to win. I like them to win by a decent amount. The line is not out on that game yet, but I love the Big East. You know me. But give me the Huskies at home by seven or eight points. They're an efficient team on offense. They're a great rebounding team. I like this UConn team as well to beat the Musketeers. 11 a.m. on Fox. I like the UConn is is clearly becoming. I, I think them and and Villanova are the two challengers right now in that league over Providence. Providence over Providence. Providence ain't beat nobody. Providence ain't played nobody, Paul. Fair enough. My R four unit didn't like it too much. Uh, it didn't. <laughs> he said. Ooh. <laughs> all right next game let's keep going number 11 texas tech and number 20 texas 11 30 a.m on abc i like the red raiders here i think i think texas is good but i don't i'm not completely sold on texas yet yeah they beat oklahoma but they only beat them by two points an oklahoma team that's struggling to even get into the tournament right now texas tech playing good basketball but of course they lost to oklahoma too and got blown out by 15 points but texas tech winners four of the last five i don't care that they're on the road Texas Tech is a legitimate basketball team. They've got, I mean, they've got some studs when they play. They're scoring at 74 points a game compared to a low 69 for Texas. I also play a slower brand, Texas does. They do. I think Texas Tech's offense is just going to be too much. I'll take the Red Raiders on the road to Texas. Apparently, R4 likes the pick. I don't. Okay, R4's mad at Chris Beard still for going to Texas. Not happy about it. Says that that's treacherous. It's evil. Uh, It's like when Darth Vader went to the... It's like when Anakin became Darth Vader, right? But I'm going to be real. At home, and the math formula supports this as well, I like Texas at home over Texas Tech. The return trip. I just can't imagine Texas Tech sweeping Texas. Coming off a big win against Baylor this week, Texas Tech is one of the best teams in college basketball. Sleeper in the NCAA tournament, especially if the offense can couple with the defense and they can be efficient during tournament play. I like Texas at home, though. Their defense is going to be in it. They're going to get the bump offensively from playing on their home floor. There's no way that Chris Beard's guys fail him a second time. I mean... That's your right, man. You're more than welcome to pick that. But I'm going to take the Texas Tech Red Raiders on the road at Texas tomorrow. Number 25, Alabama at number 4, Kentucky, 12 p.m. CBS. Alabama can shoot. They can sometimes play defense. They are a good basketball team when they want to be. And here's the thing. Kentucky, they're coming off coming off a tough loss, right? I like Kentucky. Kentucky's going to win this basketball game, You tried to be game, so folks. dramatic. I tried. Kentucky's going to win this basketball game, folks. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. He agrees. Kentucky is going to win this basketball game. They may win it by double digits. I just don't think Alabama. I think the bad Alabama is going to show up tomorrow at Rupp Arena. and Miss 33s? Yes. They may shoot 50 of them. And, <laughs> I mean, they're going to try and shoot their way out of it. But I think Kentucky just dominates them from on both ends of the floor. Give me Kentucky big. Common denominator in a lot of Alabama's big wins this year. 
has been in Coleman Coliseum. This one is not in Coleman Coliseum. It's in Rupp Arena. Give me Kentucky to win this one. ACC matchup. This one's on ACC Network Plus. Should be on the actual ACC Network, but whatever. Notre Dame at Wake Forest, 12 p.m. Believe it or not, this is a top five matchup in the ACC standings. And yeah. Notre Dame's currently at the top of the ACC standings at first place. That's Don't sad. roll your eyes. They're up there, man. That's sad. They're a good basketball <laughs> school. Been bad in recent years, but it's good. I think, yeah. I think ACC basketball is better when Notre Dame is good. Yeah, I agree. I'll give you that. Um, I'm going to take Notre Dame. They've won... They're 5-0 and in their last five games. Wake Forest coming off back-to-back losses against Miami and Duke. They played Duke pretty well. Duke was up big, and then Duke tried to blow it against Wake Forest. Um, I think Wake Forest is a good basketball team. And, hmm. Yeah, I, I'm still going to take Notre Dame. Even though they're the road team, I'm going to take – Man, oh, I hate picking Notre Dame, though, man. Mm, I don't know. I'm I'm changing the it. trend. The trend of people hating Notre Dame in the studio continues. Trevor is in here to balance it out. We've never had an intern that likes Notre Dame. Lance, there was the the bit that Lance just hated Notre Dame and everything about them for the first, uh, you know, for all throughout football season. And so now I guess you're continuing that trend as Don't Trevor worry. tries to balance it out a little. Don't bit. worry, Lance. I'm picking up where you left off, man. I'm gonna take Wake Forest at home. Coming off a tough game against Duke. I like this Wake Forest team. I'm changing my pick. Give me Wake Forest at home. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. Notre Dame. Apparently, my droids is a fan of of Notre Dame. I like your pick, though. Wake Forest, better offensive team. They're going to be able to flex their muscles at home. Trevor's rolling his eyes at me. Look, they're going to, at home, Notre Dame, or excuse me, at home, Wake Forest, better offense, offensive teams, play well at home. Notre Dame's going to struggle on the road. Give me give me Wake Forest Demon Deacons to win this game. Next one, number two, Auburn at Florida, 1 p.m. ESPN. Look, there's no doubt that Auburn is the better team here. They're the number two team in the country for a reason. They began to get on a roll offensively against Vanderbilt on Wednesday night at home. Auburn hasn't won at Florida in 13 tries, okay? That is the stat that is going to be talked about all day long. But by 3 or 3.30 on Saturday, that stat will be no more. Auburn is going to win this basketball game. I've, I look for them. I've said it a bunch already. I look for Auburn to get hot offensively. I look for Auburn to play extremely well on both ends of the floor. They're going to dominate Florida. They're the better team. One through eight, one through nine. What's he saying, man? He's loving it, man. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know. I'm not a Star Wars fan, so I don't I don't <laughs> understand that. Nah, I'm not. That's man. why you didn't like this idea. I, I did not like the idea. I just, it's all right. Auburn's going to blow them out. Auburn's going to win big. Is there a line out yet on this game? No, most of the lines are not out they'll for tomorrow. They'll come out till tonight, yeah. Yeah, they'll come out later this evening. But I would imagine Auburn is going to be favored by, I'm going to put it on eight, seven maybe, just Auburn being on covers. the road. But Whatever the line is, Auburn's going to cover. Let's keep going with Saturday selections. Oklahoma at Iowa State, 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. A Big 12 showdown, which we talked about. Big tournament implications here. Iowa State is absolutely falling apart, and Typically, I would have picked Iowa State. I have sold all stock on that team. Sold all stock. The better offensive team here is Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the ability, to, has shown the ability to run with some of the best teams in the Big 12. And Iowa State, after starting out non-conference play undefeated, even starting out conference play undefeated, this team has lost four of their last five games. They, they did win their last time out against TCU, but only by three. Oklahoma's lost four out of their five, but they've also played Texas Tech, Kansas, and Texas over their last three games, and they have been incredibly close and beating Texas Tech back on February 9th and then only lost to Kansas and Texas by two each. Oklahoma's fighting for their tournament hopes. 
Moses Porter's got him playing pretty well right now. Or Porter Moser, excuse me, he's got him playing very well right now. I'm going to take Oklahoma on the road. Oklahoma is a better basketball team than what their 14-12 and 12 record shows. Yes. They played a lot of close games, and whether they make the tournament, I'm not sure. But if they're going to make it, they got to get this win against Iowa State. Like you said, Iowa State, they're just falling apart at the seams. They're, that train is completely off the tracks and sliding down the hill right now. Give me Oklahoma on the road at Iowa State. I like that pick as well. Continuing on, Iowa at number 18, Ohio State. Big 10 showdown, 1.30 Central Time. I like Ohio State in this game. I don't like Ohio State. Let's get that clear. But I like them in this game because I just think they're better. I think they're a better basketball team. Iowa, and they're at home. Let's and just they're at home. Be honest. Iowa lost last night to Michigan at home by a decent amount. Okay. Iowa still does not have a quad one win. They're not going to get it tomorrow. Ohio State at, the, at home. While I don't think Ohio State is a fantastic basketball team, they're still in the top 25. They're ranked number 18. They're not a fantastic basketball team, but they're better than Iowa. They're at home. I look for Ohio State's offense to push them through the second half. I like the Buckeyes at home against Iowa tomorrow. Ohio State is too good of an offensive team for Iowa to be able to defend the full 40 minutes. Iowa's defense, not good. They're giving up over 71 points a game. We saw what happened against Michigan this past week, which is a worse team than Ohio State. Similar brands, though. Similar styles of play. The old school grind you out typical big 10 style of play that is pass the ball for 20 seconds work for a great shot physical brand of basketball ohio state although they're not scoring a lot of points per game they're shooting it at high percentage 48 percent from the field iowa's defense gonna wither away on the road give me ohio state to win this one advance to 17 and 6 overall and uh climb up in the rankings after what's going to be three wins in a row for the Buckeyes. Number 16, Tennessee at number 23, Arkansas, 3 p.m. ESPN. What's your take? You got a quarter in your pocket? I don't. Because this is a coin flip. Because I have no idea. Tennessee. You like Tennessee? Arkansas is not a good offensive team. Average above 70 points per game in conference play only because they shoot it a ton. They're not efficient on offense. Tennessee's defense Tennessee's defense choose up often choose up teams like Arkansas figuring out how to word that right <laughs> Tennessee's defense choose up teams like Arkansas that are not efficient on the offensive side of the ball take a lot of poor shots Tennessee's defense is going to travel to Bud Walton Arena their offense has come a long way as evidenced by what they did to Kentucky earlier this week and the win streak that they're on right now Tennessee is sneakily emerging right now I believe as a final four contender but they're at Arkansas. Does that I don't happen? care. Arkansas they're scores frauds. more points per game. They shoot the ball better than Tennessee. Frauds. They shoot the th- oh, they, they do not shoot. Wow, they do not shoot the three ball better than Tennessee. But and they, they take out, a lot of threes. They out rebound Tennessee. They don't turn the ball over as much. We're also talking about completely different styles of basketball. Tennessee's in the 350s in Kim Palm's adjusted tempo rankings. Arkansas much faster than that. A lot more possessions, so it artificially inflates those numbers. I'm talking about percentages, averages. This Arkansas team, not efficient. I like Tennessee on the road. Does it doesn't bother me whatsoever? It's in Bud Walton, Arkansas. Is frauds. You've con- hey, you've convinced me. I was just nagging you a little bit. Give me a little bit more Devil's reason. advocate. I I'll understand. go with you on Tennessee on the road at Arkansas. Give me the balls tomorrow in Bud Walton Arena. They lost to Alabama. That made me bail. When I saw them lose to Alabama, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" The, the- yeah, because Alabama, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do one more game here before we go to break. One more. Florida State at number nine, Duke, five p.m. ESPN. 
I mean, let's just take the obvious pick here. We're going to take a Final Four dark horse, a national champion dark horse, and the Duke Blue Devils. I don't know if you can say Duke's a dark horse, man. I think you well, just got to say they are, well, they're going to be a favorite and everybody, in a lot of people's brackets because they're Duke, because I, of that name. I say dark horse because they're not a top five basketball team right now. Fair. That's why I say dark horse. Of course, Duke is not normally a dark horse. I get that. But Duke is 22-4. and four. They're the number nine team in the country. And, I mean, they're not going to be a one seed they may slip into a two seed by the end of the year and then once the bracket comes out but I think this team can make a legitimate run they're good man their last loss was a horrible loss against Virginia on a buzzer beater but they've won their last three games in a row Florida State is just not what they have been in the past Four of their last five they've lost yeah a bad team it's a bad team I, I like I like Duke I like Duke easily against Florida State Still no line out, obviously, as you mentioned earlier. I like Duke in this one at home. They're not going to lose in Cameron Indoor Stadium. They're, they're not going to. And, you know, maybe if this was on the road, and granted they did lose to Florida State earlier this year. That's part of the reason why this is on the schedule. They did lose to Florida State earlier this year. This is one of Duke's losses where they lost by one or two points. Reminder to everybody, Duke has four losses this year by combined nine points. This team, I believe... I think they're going to be a top-five team when tournament play rolls around. And Cameron I Indoor, think they're going to be in the, in the top-five of the rankings. Cameron Indoor is not this, this just like Death Valley place that teams can't win basketball games. We've seen a, a lot of different teams win at Duke in the past, so I wouldn't necessarily say that playing at Cameron Indoor is, is like a huge deal for this game specifically. I just think Duke's the better basketball team, man. When we come back on the other side of this break, we got two more games to pick, and we will wrap up the Friday edition of the show. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you in the studio on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Free for all Friday, still got time to squeeze in a phone call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Of course, programming note over on 96.3 W. Lee, Auburn High Baseball on the Auburn High Sports Network presented by the Orthopedic Clinic. First pitch against the Prattville Lions with the defending state champions of the Auburn Tigers. They are in warm-ups right now, 4.30 p.m. First pitch. Catch that on 96.3 W. Lee with Scott Bagwell on the call we got a couple of games here to go through with saturday selections we got two more games number six kansas at west virginia 7 p.m espn you know my take on kansas jayhawks right now they're playing some of the best basketball in the country they are the number six team right now in the ap poll they're like duke to me they've had some mind-boggling losses but they're but, really good when they're on but they're really really good when they're on and i think they are about to make they're about to take that step where they don't look back as we come towards the end of february and into march i think this kansas team is legit i think they can make a a big run in the tournament be a final four threat i like kansas and west virginia is just not what they normally are and it's not like west virginia is always this dominant force but they always play good physical defense play a good physical brand of basketball but i like kansas even if it is on the road the big 12 is a tough conference this year it's probably the second toughest conference in basketball but i like kansas i like the jayhawks i think they get it done on saturday and i think they propel themselves into march and become a dominant threat in the postseason this is where the best teams start to hit their stride and west virginia just does not have the horses offensively to run with this kansas team that's shooting 49 percent as a team that they're just not going to be able to run with that where west virginia is below 42 percent right now 
I know they're at home about six games ago. This West Virginia team was a lot more relevant. Six games ago, this West Virginia team was two and five, sure, in Big 12 play, but they were also 13 and seven overall. And they came out of non-conference play looking like a team that maybe could make the NCAA tournament. That's an afterthought now. Kansas wins on the road. Last game, we're going to go to the Pac-12. Oregon at number three, uh, Arizona, excuse me. Oregon at number three, Arizona, 9 p.m. ESPN. The Pac-12, we have we have done our yeah. fair share of, of bashing of the Pac-12 when it comes to basketball. And we will probably do the same thing when it comes to football season. But... Oregon is not a bad basketball team. They are going to be in the NCAA tournament as long as they just continue to play how they're playing. I don't expect them to win this game. I think they'll have a shot. I think it'll be a close basketball game because, yes, Arizona's the number three team in the country, but have they really looked like it? I mean, they struggled early against Oregon State last night. Only won by 14. They only won by 14. That was a close game. They were losing for most of the first half or a lot of the first half, and I just don't think Arizona's all that. They may be... They may go down as one of the weakest one seeds in the tournament when it comes down they to They are it. the weakest one seed in the tournament no, if they I, make in, it. I'm saying history-wise. Oh. Like, they very well could be. because I, I could see them losing the second round second to a round. really good, uh, to an underachieving eight seed, like if Alabama somehow fell to that. Or like, like a Seton Hall or something like but that. But you know they've beaten some teams this year, right? Exactly. Like, so, I could definitely see that happening. And that's what I'm saying. I just don't think this Arizona team is all of that. Just because they play Pac-12 teams and the Pac-12 is just not a strong conference in basketball this year, I like Arizona to win this game. I think they beat Oregon. I think it's a close game, but I just don't think Arizona is the third best team in basketball. But give me give me the Wildcats at home against the Ducks uh, late tomorrow night. I like Arizona at home to win this game. They're good against the Pac-12. Now, I'm with you. This is probably going to be the first one seed to lose. I would imagine by the time the Sweet 16 rolls around, they'll be. I, I, I could easily see them losing to a 4 or 5 in the Sweet 16. I really can't envision that. So I'm with you there. But Oregon just lost by 24 to Arizona State of all teams. Yikes. Two games ago, they lost to a sub-500 Cal team by 14. Yikes. So they've lost two out of their last three. I will say this. They are 17-9. They're 10-5 and in the Pac-12. It should be a tournament team. Dana Altman-led teams peak at this time of year, even though they have subpar non-conference and even the beginning part of Pac-12 play, but they peak at the right time. I wouldn't be shocked if this team ends up going on a run of sorts in the NCAA tournament because we've seen it before right we've seen it that's why I wouldn't be shocked but at home Arizona's a better basketball team that's going to win out and yeah I mean I agree I think Arizona like I said they're just in this scenario they are the better basketball team but don't buy in on Arizona being a one seed when the tournament comes around because they're not going to go very far folks all right we got about 30 seconds left in the show you got a final thought on anything we've talked about today Auburn football is going to be okay. Auburn basketball is going to win tomorrow. They're going to win big tomorrow. Is Auburn baseball going to be okay? That is a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Auburn softball is looking pretty pretty darn good right now. Auburn baseball, just hit the ball, man. Hit the ball. Ye of little faith. Auburn baseball will be just fine. Gymnastics will win tonight at Georgia. So if you're sad about baseball, support everything else. Support baseball too, but I'm just saying ye of little faith it's just one game but i understand the cost for concern shut out first day lose to oklahoma three to zero hit the ball man that's it for another edition of on the line we'll be back with you tomorrow same time same or monday same time same place you know where to find us